Hey guys, you're listening to Totally Stoked Podcast with Amelia Travis, yoga teacher and wild child turned multi-six-figure business coach, writer, speaker, and spiritual warrior. Totally Stoked is an experiment in radical honesty. On this show, there's only two rules, show up and tell the truth. Each week, we share uncensored, truth-telling, shame-busting conversations with thought leaders, entrepreneurs, visionaries, and modern-day mystics revealing their rise to thrive stories, current challenges, and sharing their most powerful tools for awakening, growth, and well-being. This is your place to let down your guard, open your heart, and remember that being human is a crazy, wild ride, but you don't have to do it alone. So buckle up, baby, because we're heading full speed ahead to radical self-love and a totally stoked life. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Welcome back, friends, to another episode of Totally Stoked Podcast with your girl, Amelia Travis. I am so happy to be here today with my guest who has influenced my life in ways that she doesn't even know. Um, My guest today is a best-selling author and coach living in New York City, but she started out as an attorney in Australia, working in the area of women's safety and human rights, which led her to complete a PhD in emotional well-being after domestic abuse. During her doctorate, she started personally coaching women on well-being, and through her coaching, books, talks, retreats, and online platforms, my guest has supported tens of thousands of women around the world to heal and harness their personal power. She specializes now in helping women find love after toxic relationships so they can rebuild epic self-confidence, rekindle their optimism about the future, and finally find the courage to put themselves back out there and attract real love. I am her biggest fan because of her work in her best-selling book, Lunar Abundance, Cultivating Joy, Peace, and Purpose Using the Phases of the Moon, and the new companion that was just released, Lunar Abundance Reflective Journal. These books transformed my relationship with manifestation, my connection with the moon cycles, and really helped activate more of my connection with Divine Feminine, so I'm one of your biggest fans. Please welcome to the show, Dr. Ezzy Spencer. Oh my goodness. Hello. I'm just buzzing over here. That was such a beautiful introduction. It's such a pleasure to be here. It's so wonderful to have you. It's, you know, it always um, lights me up when I make a list of people who I'm like, I would really love to talk with this person, to have them as a guest on the show. And then it's just an easy yes. And that was the case with you. It was like, there was, um, you know, and I'm thinking back to probably a year ago when I first picked up Lunar Abundance and I remember reading it in the bathtub um, of all places. And I think it was like around the new moon and I was reading it and I was like, oh, this book is so beautiful. I love the way that she writes and you make it really accessible to understand the the power of the moon, not just at new moon and full moon, but really working with it in all of its phases and making it part of kind of day-to-day life, which as a woman has helped me as much as tracking my own moon cycle, like my menstrual cycle, and really finding the intersection of them, which I think you invite us into, has completely transformed my life. I'm not going to like like undercut it. It's been a huge, huge thing. So, um, So first, thank you. Thank you for writing this book. And um, for the work that you're doing in the world, and I'd love to hear a little bit about you. For anyone who may not know you, um, you know, that bio introduced a little bit, but really, how did you get here? How did you get to being this moon goddess and now love and relationship expert? Um, Who are you, Dr. Ezzy, magical moon (laughs) goddess? Oh my goodness. Well, it's quite a story. A lot of people do uh, kind of double take when they hear about the human rights law bit through to the moon goddess aspect mm-hmm. and and then I guess the the next evolution of my work where I currently find myself in a way actually brings everything full circle and so you know the through line for my work is very much around healing the wounded feminine first mm-hmm. and foremost and mm-hmm. that was an aspect of my own journey and my own needs um, but then also really stepping into a place of transformation and power in into you know what can Um, the feminine really look like when it is flourishing and alive and activated and so that's very much my um, 
has been, you know, my, my personal exploration in life and it is what has brought all of my work um, full circle. So, I mean, I started out as a very magical child, you know, I was highly sensitive, highly empathic. I was very connected uh, to the other realms, if you will. You know, I would chat with the spirits and the fairies. And I, mm. as soon as I started to talk when I was a little one, I would tell my parents all about my past lives and all my other families. And, you know, they would think, what is going on? You know, I was growing up in suburban Australia. And so I was a little bit of a, of a, of a weird child to mm-hmm. them, you know, but they, you know, they sort of loved me and 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 indulged me in in their own way. Um, and then I went to to law school, and I did that really without thinking all that much about it. I saw law school as a ticket to a bright future. I got the mm-hmm. grades to go into law school in Australia. You can do a law degree straight out of high school, and that's oh wow, I'm, yeah. So I was really young, and uh, it was a very um, you know, socially acceptable thing to do to go and get a law degree. And what happened through that process is that I became, you know, very much, um, you know, trapped in my head in a way, living from the neck up. It's a very intellectual um, way of operating in the world. It's very much obviously a masculine paradigm, very traditional, you know, linear, logical, rational way of thinking. And I think that was actually a really um, positive thing for me in many ways because I was so creative and magical. So it gave me a beautiful left brain, right brain integration. Um, But after I graduated, I was working in the law and I was doing a work with... um, you know, emotional well-being after domestic violence and reforming that reforming the law in that particular area. So very meaningful, purposeful legal work that I was doing. However, I was also really missing something elemental inside of myself. You know, living from the neck up meant that I was disconnected from my own body's wisdom and cycles and rhythms. And uh, I was disconnected from my own intuition. I was disconnected from my femininity, really. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, you know, the central, you know, creative, juicy, yummy aspect uh, of what it is to, to be a woman. And so I started to, to really search for that sense of something missing. Um, I wouldn't have articulated it in that way at that time, but I really felt a, a deeper yearning inside of myself to, to reconnect with, with my femininity, reconnect with my magic. Um, and then I don't know exactly, you know, the date that I started doing this or, or when I started doing it or why I started doing it, but I started to look up at night and see the moon. And I'd always kept a journal and wrote in my journal to, to make sense of myself and my feelings and how I was, you know, operating in the world. And I started to draw in my journal pictures of the moon. So the moon in relation to which phase it was in. And as you say, you know, the new moon and the full moon are the kind of phases which a lot of people are familiar to uh, with, with working with. But I would draw in, um, you know, the other phases as the moon went through its month-long cycle as well. And I started to develop a, a deeper intimacy with the moon. And working with the moon as a mirror in that way meant that I was able to start to observe uh, really interesting correlations between where the moon was in the sky and how I was feeling, my energy levels, you know, what was going on for me. So first and foremost, that was interesting to me uh, as a researcher. Um, And the moon being a very short, very trackable cycle, just a month long, very easy to observe those uh, kind of correlations. I also started then to observe that those correlations would repeat from moon cycle to moon Mm -hmm. cycle. So I would see these patterns emerge and that then gave me a more fascination, more curiosity to lean into those patterns. There became a kind of predictability for me to be able to, you know, tap into more of this uh, flow of, of what was going on uh, for me. And then I stepped into more and more of a sense of personal power around being able to go with that flow. Um, and so, you know, cut a long story short, I started to talk about it. I was very passionate about it. People started to assume this is my job. It turned from being a bit of a passion project into a global coaching business. I've now worked with tens of thousands of women around the world. That all happened very organically because the more and more that I leaned into talking about this, the more that I found that it magically transformed my life. And I was able to start to see incredible results in my own life when I was able to honour, you know, my own body's rhythm and flow 
when I set intentions at the start of the moon cycle and these are very somatic feeling based intentions because the moon very much represents the feelings, the emotions, the subconscious, the feminine as I started to reclaim um, these, uh, these elements inside of myself I was able to navigate life with a lot more uh, purpose, I was able to really tap into that sense of joy and ease and flow and, and open up that incredible magic and so the um, the you know I, I did this for many many years and, and traveled the world and it turned into a book and it turned into you know all kinds of, of different magical expressions um, now a journal uh, as well <coughs> excuse me but one of the things I also found is that I guess women's sense of, 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 of disconnection with themselves, which led them to, you know, work with the moon cycle, um, also really uh, tended to, to then manifest in, in relationship to the other. So I think first and foremost, women wanted to connect with themselves and their own magic. And then what I found with my coaching clients is that this would also really show up in their personal relationships. And I did experience a lot of women coming to me who'd been very wounded in relationships that experienced toxic abusive relationships and that's this of course was my first my first career and this is how it all came full circle and so instead of just looking at you know what goes wrong in relationships and how to help women recover and heal I started to move into well what might go right and how can we go through that process of of really stepping into the, the positive in in terms of that expression of, of ourselves as, as women in relationships so that's the that's the the circle of the of the journey um, and lots to to dive into and in all of the aspects there. <laughs> I love that it's a circle because I feel like as we work more and more with the feminine, you know, you you mentioned that it's not masculine, it's not linear, it's not this A to B dynamic, and I'm constantly saying this to women. It's like the feminine is a circle or a spiral even towards the center of ourselves, um, and I think that's so beautifully reflected in in what you just shared. Um, I know you said, so Lunar Abundance was published in 2017. Is that right? Was that its first publishing? Exactly. So it was published in Australia at the start of 2017 and then okay. in the US in 2018. Okay, beautiful. So would you say that your, and I know you said you didn't know the exact timeline, but this hunger or this awakening of the feminine in you when you started to learn to live from the neck down and wake that part of yourself up, can you approximate like uh, age range, like how old you were when that happened? Oh, good question. I was, um, I'd say I was in my mid twenties when I started to hear the whispers from mm -hmm. the moon as my muse. Mm -hmm. And then the, the, um, I guess the awakening process is, something which accelerated throughout the rest of my 20s and especially started to um, uncork, I suppose, as I entered my 30s. I feel the reason I ask is that it was my 33rd birthday that I feel like I had a, I mean, profound feminine awakening is the best way that I can put it. And, and you know, really different from your story, but similar, in many ways had been living from the neck up. And it was like, as I I set the intention for my 33rd birthday to integrate um, without even really knowing what that meant, but I wanted to integrate the masculine and feminine in my life. I, and, and that was with an intention towards healing. And what happened was on my 33rd birthday, I was at a women's um, gathering and outside around a bonfire and, and singing and playing drums and looking up at it was a full moon that weekend and put my hands on the earth. And it was all of a sudden, like I just started crying and just woke up to having forgotten her was the way that I felt. It was like, I have forgotten you. And I was speaking to the earth and to the moon at the same time. And also of course, to the feminine in myself. Um, and so I think it's very interesting to just observe because, you know, as you said, you were really, intuitive and aware as a child, but then conditioned by society and our upbringing, um, which, you know, does tend to be governed by patriarchal influence to disconnect, right? And then I feel like there's a coming home to ourselves or remembering, and maybe it happens around Saturn's return, 27, 28 really starts to kind of turn on. But I see so much with women um, 
who are in that like 27 to 35 of just all of a sudden, hello, feminine. You know what I mean? And we're like, wait a minute, like, where have you been? And also, I'm glad you're here and we've got work to do, you know? So um, I wanted to backtrack and ask you, you know, this expression of healing the wounded feminine um, and living from the neck up, if you can speak to what are some of the, 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 ways that you could describe that to someone who's maybe trying to self-identify um, in it, or maybe doesn't even know yet to self-identify that they could have more connection with the feminine. What are some of the ways that he, that the wounded feminine expresses itself in our lives? Mm. Well, one of the very common ways I feel like the, the sort of the, the masculine, if you will, and appreciate, of course, not about gender, it's more about these, you know, different aspects inside of ourselves. Um, but one of the ways that the masculine can take over and, um, and perhaps allow the, you know, the, the feminine to stay under expressed is by getting very much caught in the, the doing mode. So really hustling and pushing and striving and going and going, going all of the time, getting trapped in one's thoughts and to-do lists and, um, and, and negative self-talk um, or even, you know, positive self-talk. I mean, that's positive self-talk is great, but it's still really a thinking mechanism. And so that's some of the ways that the, that the feminine can be underexpressed, which often then points to a kind of wounding in the feminine. And what that actually can look like when the feminine is in a place of, of full expression is being okay with being. So not necessarily needing to have a structure or a plan or again, an endless to-do list and not needing to fill up your life constantly with things to um, be achieving, but then also not distracting yourself, right? With being, you know, on the phone and scrolling through Instagram. There's a million and one ways that we can distract ourselves. We can even distract ourselves through work um, as well, you know, through food, through a million and one ways again. And some of those ways Ways are just so socially acceptable that we don't even necessarily see them but that's oftentimes a, a, a symptom of the wounded feminine when we're not able to just have blank unstructured space and to be okay with ourselves and to be okay with the being to be okay with the reflecting to be okay with the restoring um, to be okay with the feeling and a lot of the time that's because when we do stop and pause and, and draw back and just allow ourselves to you know even just have a bath and not by bringing in you know a book or god forbid you know the phone into the bathtub with us um then just really allowing ourselves to be then what hasn't been felt then has an opportunity to bubble up to the surface and if we're not really familiar with feeling our feelings because we're much more uh, in the habit or the pattern of numbing out or disassociating from what it is that, that we feel, again, in, in very, very socially acceptable ways. So this is often a blind spot. Um, that you know we can then be in a state of real overwhelm when we start to to feel anything at all so when we do pause and we do stop that can be a real sense of ick or discomfort with allowing ourselves to feel when we don't have the ability to or we don't have the practice by just allowing ourselves to feel whatever is there and then have the skill set to be able to transmute whatever it is that we are feeling and we all have tremendous abilities to be able to change state you know to be able to go into anything that comes up pain or sadness or even anger or frustration we've got an incredible ability once we have the skill set and the practice to be able to feel those feelings but then be able to turn it around and to be able to move into more elevated or pleasant emotional states and so that's again an expression of the the transformative power of the of the feminine the ability to to change those emotional states but we need to be able to get to step one which is just to pause just to create space and just to allow ourselves to feel in the first instance hmm. thank you for that one of the things i really appreciated about lunar abundance is that you you go into that book um into discussing all of the different cycles of the moon and their corresponding um yin or yang 
energy, right? So I like that you clarified when we say masculine and feminine, we're really not talking about gender. We're talking about polarities that exist in all things. They exist in us as human beings. They also exist in nature. And these yin and yang qualities are, are correlated with light and dark or masculine and feminine. And I thought it was really fascinating because I had just always had the perception of like the new moon is a more feminine energy. It's a, it's a darker time. It's the time of going inward. And then we're building gradually to the full moon, which is a more solar, it's not a solar, but it's a reflection of solar masculine energy, uh, higher energy. We see that in, you know, more babies being born and more hospital visits and people feeling a bit mad and all of these things. But you share that there's a cycling that happens every few days um, between these two energies. And I'm curious if you can share a little bit about how that discovery came to be and then how connecting with that can help us access space for being and feeling as you're describing, you know, in, in connecting with the feminine. Yeah, it's a great question because when I started to work with the moon cycle, I did um, originally work with the the new moon and the full moon. That was my entry in because the mm -hmm. full moon, of course, is when the moon is fully lit in the sky. It's 180 mm -hmm. degrees away from the sun. So the sunlight is hitting the moon and it comes back down to the, to the earth. Uh, and especially if you have the opportunity to be in nature, you know, there's that mm -hmm. incredible experience of mm -hmm. the path forward being fully lit, fully illuminated. But of course, the full moon is just the midway point in the moon cycle. It does start you know, with, with the new moon, which is when the moon is between the earth and the sun and is blocking the sun's light from earth. And so it is dark at, at the new moon phase at the start of the moon cycle. So I did start working with the full moon um, and then the new moon. And then I started to get that sense of, of, of fascination with the, with the whole moon cycle. I was like, what else is going on here? And also because the moon spoke to me so deeply, I didn't want to just tune in twice a month. I wanted to start to develop a relationship with the moon and the moon is always there in the sky. So I wanted to have an intimacy and an ongoing dialogue um, with her and with what she was revealing to me in terms of my, 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 my feelings and my rhythms and my femininity. I was so electrified by all of it. So then I started to track the moon on a daily basis. And I've got to tell you, I was working as a lawyer at the time and, you know, I was, I was busy and tuning in like every single day after a while became something that was a little bit of a, um, a, a chore, I suppose. It wasn't all that really steep, but still I wanted to have a deeper relationship than just twice a month. So I came across the work of Sandra David Mosley, who worked with the eight phases of the moon. And in fact, um, that's something which has been the eight phases of the moon um, has, worked, have, has been worked with by, by a number of of others and 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 eight just seemed like a little bit like that goldilocks number that it was like not too much and not too little it was a way for the moon to be practical as a, a tool that i could continue to tune into as a as a natural timekeeper and to work with it in a way that was going to be meaningful in my life but it wasn't going to take over if you know what i mean i was still going to be able to like focus on my work and my life and that kind of thing so it just seemed like a realistic um a realistic number to tune into those eight moon phases. And then, and, and, and I certainly wasn't the first person to, to do that. Many before me had, had done that as well. Um, and then in terms then of, of going into the, to, to, to ultimate alternating yin and yang phases or the being and the doing phases mm -hmm. of the moon. Again, that came from my real need to start to tap into the feminine, which was absolutely repressed and, you know, it had that wounding and, and I was disconnected from it myself uh, at that time. But then I also didn't want to lose connection with the masculine, right? Like I, the masculine was... Had well, we need it. Going, yeah, we, we need, need it. We need We're not going to get anything done without it. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So it wasn't all or nothing. Nothing working with the alternating moon phases in that particular way was again a way for me to find harmony, balance, and integration in a very practical way that could work in my life. And so, yin and yang, or you know, the being and the doing, they're all relative. And so it's like you can imagine if you have um, a person who's six foot tall standing next to a person who's five foot tall. You know, the person who's five foot tall is going to be short relative to the person who's six foot tall but you put a seven foot tall person next to the person who's six foot tall and they're going to seem short compared mm -hmm. to the person who's you know 
seven foot tall means is that if you're just working with the new moon and the full moon then relative you know to each other one's going to be you know more masculine more feminine than the other right and but if you're working with the eight phase cycle then you've got more variables in the mix and so in that particular case that's why both the new moon and the full moon is is young in the lunar abundance system and so the um the real benefit that i found in working with the you know the young phases or the being and the doing phases in this particular way was that it really allowed me to, um, to to start to have a rhythm in my life that made sense for mm-hmm. me. And so the phases come in pairs. So the first of the eight moon phases, of course, is the new moon phase at the start of the moon cycle. That's the young phase. The second phase, crescent moon cycle, sorry, crescent moon phase, second in the cycle is a yin phase. And so it goes yang and then yin or doing phase and then being phase. And then the third phase, the first quarter moon phase is a yang phase or a doing phase. And then the next phase um the gibbous moon phase is another yin phase another being phase and so it goes on throughout the moon cycle like that and i've got um i've got a chapter in my book on each one of these phases mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. you're just going oh gosh what is she talking about i'm getting lost already well i was so <laughs> when i first read this i this is like i don't know if this is embarrassing or not but i took my regular planner and i like tried to write you know, yin, yang, like I tried to map out the whole moon cycle and like tell myself which ones they were going to be because I, I just felt like, okay, this is how I'm going to give myself permission to relax or to slow down. And I'll be honest, that didn't last. Thank God you made the journal. So I didn't have to keep writing it in my planner. Um, because I, I think I did it for like two moon cycles like two months um and then i i just i couldn't calculate whether it was like two days or three days or 1.75 days or and i was just like this is too difficult so i'm just gonna tune into how i'm feeling instead of trying to like accurately map it out um but i thought it was really i think the permission that it gave was the most important takeaway for me um and also to reframe my perception of of the energetic influence of the moon so that it wasn't like I was expecting myself to always be um, moving from a low energy to a high energy back to a low energy, which was my previous conception of how that would work. Um, and then, as I said earlier, you know, I, I bleed on the full moon pretty much like clockwork. like I, And so there was this interesting... Um, awareness that dawned on me is like, okay, it's not just what she's doing because I also have a moon cycle in me. So it's more, it's really like, for me, it was this process of looking at the intersection of, of these two different moon cycles and then drawing a deeper understanding of, and again, that permission of being where I was understanding that intersection. Um, And I feel like you, you make that so accessible. And then in terms of manifesting with the moon, which you share a lot about in lunar abundance, like I started to um, practice your process of intention setting with the new moon. And really, I mean, in fact, I have now um, every single new moon, I sit down and I write out my intentions with pretty colored pens and I have my little ritual for it, you know. Um, And then the next new moon, I don't necessarily check. I check in inwardly at the full moon and kind of see how did these things transpire and start the practice of releasing and letting go and practicing gratitude and coming back to that completion of the cycle. Um, but it is like incredible as like the things that manifested in my life and the things that started to unfold. And just as you shared that, you know, it was your own passion for, the moon that really transformed your life as you leaned into this passion and you started sharing about it and just talking about what you were most excited about, it transformed your professional life and you wrote a book and garnered, you know, a little bit of um, notoriety or fame around it. And it was like your process of setting these somatic intentions that are really feeling and emotion-based, um, Again, I think it's different from what many people, what many people confuse with setting intentions is setting goals, right? It's like, and then they go with the specific measurable, attainable, relevant, time bound, like the smart goals. And it's like, this is kind of a different, 
a different thing. And I'd love to share like your process of somatic intention setting actually led me to develop um, what I call deep goals, which is a parallel of intention setting where we look at whether something is truly desire based, um, how it is aligned with our emotions or what emotional quality we're infusing, how it's energetically aligned. Is this intention or this goal something that's energizing me or draining me? And then how can I make this intention or this goal pleasurable, right? So we have smart goals, which are like masculine, and then deep goals are kind of looking at the feminine. And I think you've done that for intention setting um, in a really beautiful way. So I would love for us to to share, um, and you touched on it really briefly, but what is the intention setting process with the new moon and how have you seen it work in your life or in your clients' lives for manifestation? Mm. Yeah, it's a great question because this is another element of tapping into the power of the feminine, I feel, which is, again, getting out of the head, getting out of the... Um, the, 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 the very tangible kind of structured linear goal setting process and getting into the feelings, which again is what the moon represents, the feelings, the emotions, and, you know, tapping into the incredible feminine creative power that we have to be able to, you know, firstly, you know, summon out of the ethers, you know, that which our heart so desires first and foremost, and secondly, to tap into the magnetic qualities that we have and that the feminine has. So, you know, the masculine goes out and pursues and hunts down and then the feminine receives and allows it, you know, we allow it to come to us. And again, you need both things and this is why the, the being and the doing phases are so important throughout the entire moon cycle because it starts with that intention setting process but then you've got to go out and do the things but in a very discerning way to be able to minimize your your effort if you know mm -hmm. what I mean and so that then means that you can receive much more without burning out um, so the intention setting process is again you know these very somatic meaning that it's very much uh, connected to our feelings of physical sensations in our bodies and then connected, of course, to those elevated, pleasant emotional states. Again, that incredible transformative power that the feminine has to be able to transmute things such as fear, uh, such as worry, such as doubt, such as contraction, you know, all of those things which are, you know, the normal part of the human condition, but we can really go through those, you know, see um, those as problems, air quotes, if you will, and we can see the cures as being these incredible, expansive, bright states on the other side of that. So we can really learn how to alchemize those feelings and those worries, those more unpleasant emotions, and expand them right out. And that's part of the lunar abundance intention setting process. And so super magical to to do that at the at the new moon. And I've got you know, a lot of resources, free resources on my side, as well as a lot in the, in the, in the book in terms of ritual and ceremony and, and journal prompts and, and suggestions around how to set an, how to set an effective intention. There's a very specific way that we work with intention setting in terms of the, the, the phrasing and the process in the lunar abundance practice. Then when you do it effectively and you really tune in to those physical sensations and the feelings and you're able to connect with something that has you really light up and mm. has you, you know, again, like be feeling electric and vibrating and tapping into, you know, joy and gratitude, feeling like it's already coming towards you, that it's already real, giving yourself that cellular memory of what it feels like in order for your, you to be experiencing this in your life, to be worthy of being able to receive what you desire and continuing to connect in with that physical sensation and feeling each day, then the magic can really and truly happen. And what I found when I first started working with the intention setting process is that my intentions were around much more tangible things if you know what I mean so mm -hmm. by that um, an example of that I suppose might be I want a new apartment or I want a new job or I would like to grow my business and I'd like more clients you mm -hmm. know to come into to my life and so I would uh, you know set 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 intentions which were more um you know, more related to, to very practical areas of my life. And they all came true. Uh, they really all came true. And again, with the least amount of effort and 
and striving, you know, they'd flow to me and it felt good when it happened and I was able to tap into those magnetic powers, which was fabulous. And then over time, I started to become more interested in cultivating qualities. So what would it feel like to have more of a sense of kindness and courage mm. and to feel more of a sense of intimacy and connection in my life? And so I found that, that again, those types of qualities were able to be amplified through the experience so that it runs the whole um, range of, of everything that you, you know, want to invite into your life especially if you're not already experiencing it in your life and I know a lot of people have used the lunar abundance practice to um, to find their soulmates and have a child and you know the kind of things which again I think are very related to, to the feminine the, to the feminine and the feminine powers it seems to work extremely well in in that kind of way and i receive messages all the time from from readers of the lunar abundance book saying oh you'd have no idea how much you've changed my life but the overall quality i think of life when you are able to really embrace more of a sense of trust in life trust in your own power and trust in life to support you and you're able to tap into those qualities of joy and ease and flow as you move through life it really does put you in the power seat in your own life um, in a way where you know that you're able to continue to shape the narrative of mm -hmm. your own life's journey and I think that's the that's the really big takeaway from from the lunar abundance practices as well as fully living it and enjoying it in 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 a fully expressed um you know embodied way as well mm. i agree with that i think lately as i've been journaling and deepening this walk with the feminine one thing that keeps showing up in my writing is i trust myself i trust myself so much more than i used to and it's growing all the time and that growth is coming from um these very feminine practices, I'm in a pro process of what I would call awakening the priestess in my own life, which is something that even a few years ago, I would have been like oh, the biggest eye roll in the world hearing someone say that. Um, but it's been, it's been very interesting because I think one of the thing, things that can happen, especially in groups of women, is that it's not that one person has the answers or knows everything and there's like a conference of information, but rather that as we connect more with femininity and connect more with each other, there's this uh, transmission or confluence of information that comes from the place of allowing and receiving and trusting that it will be that what needs to be revealed will be revealed, that the healing that we need to receive will be received, that um, we may not think that we know on the cerebral level what the answer is or what's happening, but there's actually this other deeper knowing that's coming from, I don't know, the enteric nervous system or the cerebellum or, or, or you know, our energetic body, who knows, but it's coming from somewhere else that feels like um, more feminine. So, I think, yeah, to everyone who's listening, if, if this is new to you, first of all, please um, hook yourself up with a copy of Lunar Abundance and the new Lunar Abundance Reflective Journal. If you want to get hooked up with a copy, come check out my Instagram. There might be a giveaway coming up. Um, there will be. So, um, yeah, so I'd love to take that and then transition into, you know, the the your own process of like working with the moons and then coming full circle and now working with women really on, um, on a bigger scale, or maybe it's not necessarily bigger, but deeper about connecting with themselves, their desires, um, and healing. It sounds like healing their relationships with themselves so that they can heal their relationship with other, right. So they can move forward. And I love that you said, um, approaching relationships not as like damage control or what we can fix um, or what could go wrong in relationships, but also really looking at what can go right. Um, and this is the work you're doing through Relove. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. tell me a little bit about how the pivot happened and, and what's really lighting you up right now in working with women around uh, love and relationships. And, and how good it can get. Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. I mean, there's so much around this, which has me um, 
you know, feeling like, you know, it really sets my soul on fire at the moment. And I feel like you hit the nail on the head before when you spoke about the, um, I guess, the, 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 the deeper level of the work. And so what I'm really enjoying now is going in to the depths of transformation with women. And I feel like the Lunar Abundance book had the uh, the breadth of a, a transformation where it went far and wide and obviously the moon is there, it's in the sky, we can all work with it. Um, and you know, the Lunar Abundance Guidebook is a really fantastic guidebook for that. But one of the things that I found over and over with Lunar Abundance, I still get it now, is that um, you know the, the, the instructions are, are, are there in the book um, and it's really up to the, the individual as to how much they follow the instructions in the book. The more you're able to follow those instructions, instructions then the better the results are that you're going to get but in the area of relationships which can be a real pointy edge particularly if you've had an unhealthy cycle of relationships is that sometimes the there's so many levels of pain and and resistance around even being able to um you know, fully see and appreciate and then work through those instructions. And so this is where Relove is so exciting for me because I work so deeply with women to help them to see and navigate their own blind spots around what's really holding them back from being able to go into those next levels of depth in terms of their their embrace and love of themselves. Mm-hmm. And I help them to, uh, to, to really dissolve deep... Um, you know, deep, deep, deeply set emotional static or emotional baggage around uh, fully valuing themselves, fully knowing who they are first and foremost, and then being able to claim and embrace and love and value and, you know, fully celebrate and revel in all aspects of themselves. And sometimes the emotional baggage around that is goes, you know, it can, it can be certainly something that's been brought to the surface or kicked up if someone's had an unhealthy relationship dynamic in the past. Um, oftentimes it can track back to the childhood home or it can even go before that to really the genetic code and so many of the patterns that I'm working with with my female clients are intergenerational Mm -hmm. and so these are the kind of patterns where you can have I think a level of success if you're working from a from a book yourself Mm -hmm. in self-help but it's like when you're working you know really with someone one-on-one then that's where you're going to have the huge breakthroughs and so because I I had done so much of the of the larger the larger group coaching the larger Mm -hmm. events and that kind of thing it's so exciting for me to be working one-on-one with women now to help them to really break into generational patterns of say having guilt around having needs Mm -hmm. and not being able to even um, firstly identify but then certainly not feel that they are valuable enough to be able to express their needs and choosing Mm -hmm. partners who are actually you know targeting them because they're not able to fully um, you know own and express and communicate their needs and that of course leads to these unhealthy relationship dynamics and that means that self-esteem goes down and down and down and down and down and then the pattern just continues to repeat and so helping women to go into these places of liberating themselves from from guilt and shame about you know even having needs let alone desires but let alone having needs and then opening up the space for what those desires might be to be your highest express most flourishing self and to allow someone to come into your life and to really serve you on that level so you know celebrate and and want to give you all that they want to give you and to be able to receive that with joy and delight again tapping into those feminine qualities of being able to receive but being able to effectively discern and filter who is going to be safe to receive from so it's a really really deep repatterning process that we go in in relove it's 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 an uh, i guess a an evolution and a deepening of the lunar abundance work and we're doing it very much you know down in the in in the trenches together um but in a way that again opens up and transmutes through that alchemical process you know opens up and transmutes all of those you know more unpleasant emotional states like guilt and shame but like blows them wide open into revelry and celebration and ecstasy and embrace of the of the you know of the of the fierce wild and powerful feminine oh my goodness okay this is really really exciting so um first i want to 
inquire about, um, you, you mentioned that a lot of women are having trouble receiving and that hit home because I just led a retreat of 14 women out in the desert and it was a, you know, it was a trauma healing retreat um, around the divine feminine, like around the wounded feminine and uh, the universal statement from every woman there was, I have trouble receiving. Um, I went through a womb healing experience last cool. summer that, that really revealed that wound of um, receiving to me in my own life. And exactly what you're just saying, um, you know, struggling with guilt and shame um, around having needs, let alone getting to desires. Um, and so I, I, I'm very curious about your own understanding of the epigenetic programming as it relates to having needs. And so I want to explain this to people a little bit. I believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that what you're talking about when you're talking about intergenerational trauma is our DNA is formed in the mother's womb, right? So as our DNA is being formed, um, we are subject to her environment and also to her programming, her DNA, whatever she's carrying. And so I was learning, had the privilege of learning from the, one of the world's foremost epigeneticists. Her name is Dr. Kulvi. She was teaching at a Kundalini yoga training that I was, I was attending. And the short of it was basically whatever the circumstances are, as you are gestating in the womb, will determine the myelation of your genes with or kind of like a dimmer switch of your genes. And so, um, for example, if there's widespread starvation, as there was during a Dutch famine that happened, I think, back in the 50s, uh, you're going to have myelation on the genes that code for obesity and for carrying fat. So you're going to be storing more fat more easily if there wasn't food while you were in the womb. Now, I want to bring this to emotional needs, and I'm, I'm just curious, and it's okay if it's not you know, steeped in research, but just in your own understanding and what you've witnessed, do you think that part of what's happening is that women are encoding, um, encoding in a difficulty or a resistance to receiving or to having needs because it, it was unsafe or it felt unsafe for their mothers to be having needs or having desires while while we were gestating. Is that kind of where you think it's coming from? Or, or if you could unpack that genetic component a little bit, I'd love to hear your thoughts. I mean, 100%. I feel like that it is uh, often compounded by, you know, it might, not, it might be our mothers, it might also be the grandmothers and then <laughs> the great grandmothers. And then beyond that, I think that for, for so many of us and, and so many of the clients that I work with, there's almost this sense of like, you know, cognitive dissonance where there can be an intellectual understanding that someone is worthy of having needs. And yet there is a, a something which is happening. And I believe it's happening on it's such a deep, deep level. And yes, it could be the subconscious mind. And again, I believe it's actually happening at that genetic level. It's that deep. And there's an inability to even be able to to see it, to feel it, to make any kind of sense of it because it's at such odds with what someone intellectually knows, you know, is 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 true or what should be playing out in, in their life. And so there's this incredible frustration for the women that I work with, which are like, why can't I work this out? Why is this so hard for me? And so, you know, helping them to understand that it's really not their fault. It's really nothing wrong that they've done in their lives, you know, as you say, this is part of their, um, you know, they were born with this wounding mm -hmm. um, and this is, this is not their wounding. You know, mm -hmm. this is something which they do have power though, to learn how to step into something different. They can break this circuit mm -hmm. in their own lives if they choose to um, and if they choose to do the work. But one of the reasons why it's so hard to even see these patterns is because that they're embedded literally so deeply. It's a little bit like like the fish swimming in water. It's like, mm -hmm. what water mm -hmm. are you talking about? Because if it's happened mm -hmm. right back at that, you know, the level of conception, then you lit your, 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 your cells have no other memory mm -hmm. of anything else, which is how this recoding work can be mm -hmm. so incredibly powerful. Now, this is another really interesting thing that happens once a woman starts to break these patterns in her life, not just like let go of this sense of guilt and shame around needs, but then really step into a sense 
sense of like, you know, revelry and delight in their needs and really finding as a result that they then become a lot more magnetic, you know, <laughs> to all kinds of opportunities, not just intimate romantic opportunities, although, you know, that too, and that's the focus of the Relove program, but then suddenly their whole lives seem to, to open up. Um, but it's, it's also what happened in the families of the of the people that I work with, which I pay close attention to. This is why I think it's it's genetic, is because you know some of my clients have children, and they'll find that you know that 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 they that their kids will, especially their daughters, might start to have a different experience. Others might find that as they break the patterns, their siblings might also wake up. Mm -hmm. But here's the most interesting thing: it also seems to go up the family line. Mm -hmm. So it, and not just oh, I just got chills. Right. Right. My body. <laughs> exactly. It's like, how, what, how does this even work? And again, this is why I mm. think it's genetic because even the women clients that I'm talking to, they're not necessarily going home and having these conversations with their mothers about what they've done in Relove that week, mm -hmm. but their mothers might out of the blue call them and say, hang on, I've just had this realization and talk about the chills because that's the pattern that they've just broken in a coaching mm. session. And I've had several clients have that experience. And that is again, why I think that it's happening at the level of the DNA and that you have the ability and the power as a woman to not just break these patterns for future generations, but actually have that healing potential for your entire family line. And I think that's something which is just um, you know, tremendously, tremendously exciting and powerful. And we're only on the cusp of, of what that could mean, I think, for, for, mm. for our societies. I, I'm fully on board with this. And, you know, I think one of the reasons it, it's also so potent and prevalent in uh, women is that we are, we develop eggs in the female body at five months gestation. So basically when you were an egg in, you know, your mother's body, that that had been in her grandmother's body and in her grandmother's body and back and back and back. So as long as the feminine line is unbroken, you're absolutely right that we could be carrying however countless generations basically um, of this in our bodies. And then the second thing that I think that you said that's really interesting, my mom is a research psychologist and she sent me an article a few years back about um, when I was having my son about DNA and that when a mother bears a child, it doesn't just form the DNA in the child, but having a child actually changes the mom's DNA. There's an adapt or a, a like a, a, a change that happens in your DNA and just experientially as a mom, the psychic connection between mother and child is a very real thing. And I notice it in things like I'll wake up, in the middle of the night about one minute before my child wakes up and starts crying. And I'm like, I was already awake. Great. Here we go. And now it's to the point where I'll wake up and I know I'm like, give it one minute and he's going to be awake and need me. Right. So there's this connection that happens, which is why when you said it can go up the family line to me, that makes perfect sense because if we're changing our cellular memory or for changing our, um, myelation of our genes or expression of our DNA, which is a dimmer switch, and it can be affected by meditation, and it can be affected by these deep healing processes, then of course, it's going to go up the chain through through that connection to our moms. Um, so I'm totally on board for that. And I, I think I'm most interested and excited to kind of bring this full circle of you you've mentioned multiple times um alchemizing these lower vibration emotions fear guilt shame anger um and i think i'm really drawn to try to unpack that a little bit more because i think we often think about reframing them um i talk about emotions as teachers but i'm very curious if you can give a, lay, a layman's explanation of like, how can we take something like shame and transmute it? And, and maybe you're like, Amelia, that's a big question. And it's like, we got to call me for a session and we'll talk about it. But if you have, you know, an explanation of just um, what is the rewiring that's taking place? What is kind of the you know, and I, I know one of the processes that I do in terms of heart-brain coherence and like bring lower vibrations, you know, emotions to higher vibration by simply attuning to memories of joy, compassion, love, awe, wonder, these higher vibration emotions, and then noticing how it expands 
your electromagnetic field, the troidal field, your heart space and feeling that bigger connection. And so maybe that's part of it, but I would love to hear from you. Like when you think about alchemizing a lower vibration emotion, what does that look like? Yeah, it's a, um, it's a good question. Um, and so the way that I approach it is to firstly embrace what's there you know so if there's an experience of an unpleasant emotional state it's not about pretending that it's not there going oh my god like i'm just going to like flick the switch on this right away i totally agree with you around emotions being teachers or messengers um but we don't need to sort of stay in the classroom with them you know my my experience is is that we can get the memo and and then move into a more pleasant experience because I find that when we are in those more pleasant emotional states like joy and gratitude, firstly, life is just going to feel a lot easier. It's going to feel a lot friendlier. We're going to have more opportunities. Um, you know, we're going to be able to tap into those flow states. It's going to have positive impacts in terms of our physical health as well as our emotional and, you know, our mental um, well-being. Um, so the, um, the invitation I find is always to, to look at those, um, you know, unpleasant emotional experiences as signposts you know in a direction but then you know take take the path and go go in the more um, pleasant direction and so in terms of the actual process which I use it's um, you know I think it's probably in the in the same wheelhouse of the the heart brain coherence and the reason for that is because the way to transmute the emotions or alchemize the emotions in in the relove practice which is also an aspect of of the deeper lunar abundance work which I do in in person uh, which is around um, you know feeling and we feel with the heart you know so it, it, so when we are in that state of feeling and again specifically talking about feeling here feeling the physical sensation like mm -hmm. we're actually feeling you know the the physical feeling is coming through our physical heart mm -hmm. um, and so that the more that we are feeling the more we're able to experience the physical sensations the more that we are opening the heart and then that alchemical process comes through through having that that open heart and of course then you know when we have an open heart that's where we come into the greater coherence with the with the brain and, and the heart state when we tap into that parasympathetic nervous system when we come into the body's natural healing response and so a lot of the processes that I work with are around, you know, really, you know, working, you know, with the vagal nerve toning, coming down into the subconscious mind. Um, and then I lead my clients through that process when they are um, in that parasympathetic um, place, you know, when they're going to be really uh, receptive to being able to feel again, you know, feel that cellular memory of those pleasant emotional states. And so, working as if that is the reality right here right now to then anchor in that cellular memory and then consistently come back and feel that cellular memory so continuing to um, you know continue just to to not just build those new neural pathways but then continue to make sure that we're you know continuing to, to, to oil those neural pathways we're continuing to take those neural pathways we're continuing to show up on that daily basis and so I take my clients through a very specific process actually you know it's a it's a it's a whole journey that we go through in, in relove and there's a whole curriculum which which we go through which has many aspects of this in relationship to specific emotions and specific mm -hmm. needs and, and 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 boundaries and desires all kinds of those kind of things um but the uh the the real key thing is firstly you know that first that original process of laying down those new neural pathways but then that consistency in returning to those new positive neural pathways pathways and practicing you know just like a muscle it's like mm -hmm. if you go to the gym once you're not going to have um, <laughs> like <laughs> the banging body sorry to say and similarly so like if you're not practicing this every single day then you're going to slip back into fear and resistance and shame and worry because those are the habitual patterns like the habitual pathways which have again you've been doing them your whole life um, and probably you know the the generations before you 
as well. So it does take a, a little bit of attention to be able to turn it around, but it can happen a lot faster when you know exactly what process to take and, mm -hmm. and then you show up every single day with that devotion mm -hmm. to, um, to, to really starting to, to show up in a, in a totally different way. And then when you're in that incredible high vibrational state, you are so incredibly magnetic um, to, to everything that, that you so desire. And if you've spelt all of that out with clarity, then it is inevitable that, that your life starts to turn around really quickly. Okay. So now they're going to be banging down your door. <laughs> so listen, if you're listening to this and, and you're feeling those chills or you're feeling the butterflies in your stomach or you're feeling pulled forward and drawn to this and you want more, Dr. Ezzy has a free 45 minute video masterclass laying out five simple steps to help women break the cycle of toxic relationships or, um, any other kind of lower vibration thing that may be manifesting in your relationships. It's going to help you build self-confidence, rekindle your passion and optimism. And as she's saying, become more magnetic um, and really give you a, a bigger understanding or a greater understanding of what um, this relove process is if you want to go deeper with her. Um, so you can watch the free 45-minute video masterclass, which is linked below. Um, and if you already know you're ready to work with her or you just need to talk with her one-on-one, -on -one, there's also um, a link below where you can book a call with her. So go check that in the show notes um, because I know right now that there's some people who just heard that and they're like, she's talking to me. <laughs> where do you live, Dr. Ezzy? I'm coming to your house, okay? So don't go to her house. I'll give you guys the links. Um, and if you're feeling like really just excited about the moon stuff, I'm going to be doing a giveaway on my Instagram. It's on my Instagram now that the show is out. So um, come uh, put your comment there and, you know, do the giveaway thing. You guys know how to do it. Um, but if you're curious about the moon, we always do a book club. And so normally I would ask you what book you recommend, but this week I'm going to tell you guys what books we recommend. Um, and the books are um, Lunar Abundance Itself, the original book, um, Cultivating Joy, Peace, and Purpose Using the Phases of the Moon. You can find a link to that in the show notes below and pick up your own copy um, if you don't win the giveaway. And then the guidebook to working with the phases of the moon, which is Lunar Abundance Reflective Journal. And I'm so excited. I just got my copy of this, you guys, and I'm going to be um, using it. So make sure if you do grab one, Tag us on Instagram at Dr. Ezzy Spencer and at stoked underscore yogi. Is that your IG or did I get it? Uh, it's just Ezzy Spencer. So just Ezzy. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Easy. You don't have to, you don't have to call her doctor. Just <laughs> at Ezzy Spencer. Um, and those are all linked in the show notes below. You can also grab your own free lunar abundance planner, um, which is a PDF that has the eight moon phases. So you can see what those are um, and start to do this work because it really is transformative. Um, and then, you know, where I'd love to leave them, Dr. Ezzy, is if, if you ran into one of us in an elevator or in the grocery store line, and you just had a minute or two minutes to give um, any wisdom, words of wisdom, you know, a quote that inspires you, or just connecting from the heart, like what words of guidance or wisdom do you have for people who are feeling this call towards the feminine or to heal their relationship um, with themselves and with others? What would you say to someone who's just having a hard time and they want your sage advice? <laughs> well, Firstly, I would invite them to, in that hopefully one minute long elevator ride, to just close their <laughs> eyes. <laughs> I'll let them know they won't get stuck in the elevator just to breathe in through their nose, just breathing in deeply through their nose and out through their nose for a moment and just allow themselves just to breathe out like a sigh of relief <sighs> as they're just letting go of all of that tension and all of that worry. <sighs> And then just to ask themselves, you know, what is it that you need to tell yourself right now? And to even put one hand on your heart center and to allow yourself just to listen to the wisdom that your own heart has to offer you and not to rush in with your mind to try to find the answer, but just allow yourself to listen to whatever your heart whispers and then allow yourself to smile and to feel grateful that your heart has given you such deep wisdom mm. 
and that you have allowed yourself to hear your own inner voice and your own inner guidance and to know that you are so safe and you are so loved and you can absolutely trust in yourself. That's my favorite one I've ever heard. <laughs> Nobody ever said listen to your own heart. Yay, Dr. Essie. <laughs> Oh, this was such a joy. Thank you so much for taking the time to connect and to share um, your insight and your wisdom and your passion with everybody who listened today. Thank you guys for listening and for being here. And if you want to connect with Dr. Ezzy further, go find her on Instagram right now at Ezzy Spencer. Um, you can also connect with her on the web at ezzyspencer.com. And again, all the links below if you want to book a call, um, watch the Relove Masterclass, or grab your free Lunar Abundance Planner. Thank you so much. It was just a great, great pleasure and honor to spend the time with you today. And I know that um, you have illuminated many women's lights of their own divine feminine with your just moon goddess presence. So thank you for being here. It's such a delight to have been here. Thank you for your beautiful questions. You're welcome. And we'll see you guys in the next episode. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with me on another episode of Totally Stoked Podcast. If you love this episode, if it impacted you in some way, please grab a screenshot and share it right now to Instagram stories. Tag Stoked Yogi, hashtag Totally Stoked Podcast. Each week, we'll grab one listener who shared and send you some Stoked Yogi swag. Also, if you love the show, please subscribe, share it with a friend, or head over to iTunes right now and leave us an honest review. Your support and feedback make this show possible. If you have ideas about how we can improve, please send them to podcast at stokedyogi.com. Until next time, you guys, keep showing up, loving people, telling the truth, and remember, keep living your life totally stoked.